This is the Carl Miller Show, where we talk about all things real estate, financial investments, and getting into a home you love. With over 15 years of experience, this is your host, Carl Miller. Good morning. You're listening to The Carl Miller Show. I am your host, Carl Miller, principal broker at Carl Miller Realty. We are located at 7700 Timberlake Road in Lynchburg, and we are your caring, competent, trusted advisor for real estate sales and service. Today's topics, how can you negotiate favorable terms in a seller's market? And in the second half of our show, we'll meet David Johnson, real estate agent licensed at Carl Miller Realty, and hear his perspective on what's going on today. Thanks to our sponsor this month, Will Looper. Will Looper with Movement Mortgage in Lynchburg has the knowledge and products to get you into your next home while keeping as much money as possible in your pocket. Whether you're looking to purchase or refinance your home, Will and his team at Looper Team Mortgage at Movement are here to serve you. Learn more at looperteammortgage.com. It's time for a new featured listing from Carl Miller Realty. This week's featured listing is a split foyer home located in Elon, which in my opinion is one of Central Virginia's best kept location secrets. Elon has a fantastic elementary school, several well-stocked convenience stores, a public boat ramp on the James River at Monacan Park, and it's located next to Tobacco Row Mountain. But from a side Aside from a location just 15 minutes to downtown Lynchburg, this home offers over five acres of land, a covered back porch and additional deck space, a large storage building with electricity, newer appliances, and even includes a washer and dryer. It offers over 1,900 square feet of living space with three bedrooms and two bathrooms, and it's priced at just $229.9. Visit carlmillerrealty.com to see this home or to learn more. Well, Yancey Campbell, our marketing director for Carl Middle Realty, is my co-host and joins us today. It's hard to believe January's almost over. I know. It's crazy. It went by fast. It did. You know, sometimes January drags out. But... That's true. Well, we're off to a good start this year it's with marketing snow. and events and snow. We've we've had like the sixth snow in January this weekend. Is it's that unbe- cr- right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So... LSO concert that's coming up on February 12th. We announced that last week with our video. Uh, We've already had a lot of response on that, so be sure to enter that. Winner will be announced on February 8th. And then Where's Carl, which is a spoof off of Where's Waldo. The winners for that will be announced on Monday. So you have just under 48 hours to enter into that if you would like a chance to win. So just giving you guys a heads up, if you want to win some fun gift cards to local businesses, be sure to visit our social media pages. And that is Carl Miller Realty. That's right, Carl Miller Realty. On Instagram and Facebook. And Facebook. So let's talk just real quickly about the Lynchburg Symphony Orchestra. We met with Mr. Mike Lewis Mm -hmm. at the Virginian Hotel, and that is going to be tickets. These tickets are sold out. There are no tickets left. These are the last two tickets available. That's right. And so it's for you and whoever you would like to bring to listen to the Love and the LSO concert at the Virginian and then we also have included in the package one night at the Virginian as well so it's it's a top-notch this, package yeah, in my opinion high dollar and, and my gosh this would make some, some good brownie points in the relationship that's right that's sure. <laughs> well very good well I was in uh, Park City last week and you and Nicole ran the show for mm-hmm. me while I was gone and that's right I got a chance to listen to it after I got back home so thank you guys for doing absolutely. that absolutely we fun. had fun well Park City Utah is not the same as Lynchburg Virginia I will <laughs> say that for real estate prices you know our prices are up here but their prices are actually up 44% wow. in the last 12 months. And I, for fun, I looked at a little condo out there. It was a 
250 square foot condo, Yancy. 200, wait, that's like 250 a square bedroom. Foot. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. That's 10 by 25, oh, right? Oh, my word. And it's listed for 250,000 bucks. Oh, my word. $1,000 a square foot. So, you know. That's crazy. And it had HOA fees of another 150, or 250 per month. Goodness so, gracious. Yeah, so a little, little different real estate uh, pricing little bit. in Park City. Of course, the advantage there is you're just within walking distance with a ski lift, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Lynchburg quite, doesn't quite have that. But uh, so it's no secret. Few houses are for sale. Demand is at all-time highs. We mentioned uh, in the past about how the market has gone up 23% in the last 24 months, and the average single-family home price is now 267 mm-hmm. So rather than a... 250 square foot condo that'll buy you about a 2,000 square foot. Yeah. Well, if you have a basement, you know, house. for only seventeen thousand dollars more. <laughs> there you go. So, but I wanted to talk today about negotiation. You know, uh, how do you negotiate terms in a seller's market? And uh, you know, I had that question: how, Can you even do that today? And the answer is yes. I mean, every transaction has negotiation in it. So I wanted to just give a couple tips. And first of all, just understand that the typical real, residential real estate transaction, you, you've got two parties, and at the end of the day, both parties have the same goal: a seller wants to sell their property and if it's owner-occupied and move to another one. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a buyer wants to buy that property and most likely move into it for their home. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of a common goal. Commercial deals, you know, they have differing motives many times, but they're still common ground. A seller wants to exit out of a holding and a buyer wants to enter into that holding. And the buyer wants an asset either for long-term capital gain or cash flow. And the seller, you know, for whatever reason, is exiting out of that holding. So again, you still have the same motive. A buyer wants to buy and a seller wants to sell. Right. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. So, in fact, it's funny. You know, negotiations have been happening ever since the dawn of humankind. And there's even a book, there's even a verse in, the, in Proverbs in the Bible about this. It says, uh, "The buyer haggles over the price, saying it's worthless, <laughs> it's worthless," and then brags about getting a bargain. And I think about that in real estate that's transactions. That's funny. All the time. I don't think I've heard that verse before. <laughs> I think that's in Proverbs 20, I believe. It's funny. So, so negotiations have probably been going on since the dawn of time for yeah. humanity. So, sellers, when you're negotiating, the market right now is playing to your favor. And here's my top three. Tips for sellers. Number one, expose your house to the open market. Mm -hmm. While your neighbor, your friend, or a random stranger may make you an offer that seems reasonable, the market shortages today are conducive to exposing the property to the entire world through the open market of the multiple listing service. And, you know, that has a network of real estate professionals with dozens of qualified buyers. And so that's your friend. Mm-hmm. As much as I like to bring buyers into my own deals, I still will advise a seller in that situation. It's in their best interest to still expose the home to the open market because, you know, if one buyer is there, that's great. But guess if you have two or two or more buyers have interest in the same property, your negotiation leverage as a seller just went up significantly Absolutely, to yeah. get best terms. So, so expose it to the open market. And then the second tip that I would have for sellers, which is right along with that, is to wait a few days before accepting an offer. The speed of the market is just insane. It, it's not unheard of for buyers to sign offers to sellers within two hours of a listing going live on the market today, or even before it goes on the market like we just t- talked about. Agents listing houses share this info with other agents in their office or with the agent who brought them an offer in the last home, the agents have motivated buyers and will try to pressure a seller to sign really fast with an expiration timetable that's very short. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say this. Listen, if, you, if you're a seller with a written offer in hand that officially expires in two hours, rest assured that even though that buyer's purchase agreement paperwork yeah. may expire... <laughs> I guarantee you their interest does not expire. If it's, they were it, that quick to write something <laughs> up like that, they're interested in the house. It's, it's just a little bit of a of a tactic to try to make people act fast. Right. Uh, but it's in your best interest as a seller to wait at least 48 hours, and I would say preferably 72 hours to collect all yep. the offers. Just give the agents time to go through. Give the buyers time to write offers. Maybe even give the buyers time to go back for a second look so they're not mm-hmm. rushing into an easy-come, easy-go situation. 
Thirdly, for sellers, third tip, the price is not the only term of interest to you. Consider the most important terms for you. Remember, timing, contingencies, personal property requests, appraisal opt-outs, mm-hmm. maybe seller paid uh, terms must be considered, like, like deposit amounts. There's, there's a myriad of other terms. Consider all of that. Just because a number on a purchase price looks good does not mean it's the best offer for you. So remember, the goal is to sell. A buyer can make a purchase price that seems great, but the other terms of the purchase may not be as clean. And if in six weeks the buyer can't bring the deal home to the closing table, uh, it's very frustrating for you as a seller. So, so be crystal clear on all the terms, not just the price. So those are three tips for sellers. Expose, it, expose it to the open market. Hopefully with an aggressive realtor who's doing more than just simply dropping right. off a sign. Yep. Wait a few days. And remember, the price is not the only term to consider. For Absolutely. buyers, let's switch gears to buyers. They have a little bit more of a challenge. Um, but but w- when you overcome that challenge, it's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And again, I had a question recently raised to me, is it even possible to negotiate? And, and of course it is. There's always negotiation. So the first tactic you want to accomplish as a buyer is to learn what else the seller wants. Learn as much information as you can about the seller and the seller's needs. You already know that they want a great price. But what are the other issues in the sale that are important to the seller? So try to learn. You know, try to learn timing. What's, does the seller have a place to go? Would they prefer a three-week closing or three-month closing? I have a question, Carl. Sure. For these things, would that be an agent-to-agent conversation? Yeah, agent-to-agent conversation. Okay. Yeah, you can always, your agent can always ask the other agent gotcha. and ask, hey, what's the, if they had to pick, what's the ideal time frame? Gotcha. You know, maybe there's some personal property that they want to leave on the property. Maybe there's an old piano, for example, mm-hmm. that they just the seller does not want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, if you as a buyer are okay with that, you know, just saying, hey, leave the piano, that might actually help you get a better deal. Yeah. Uh, or maybe the opposite. Maybe there's a uh, a sentimental porch sling that is a fixture, but right. the buyers want to take it. Well, don't ask for that porch sling. You're only going right. to you know help you know make make the uh, your your offer kind of get off to a bad start. So, and also timing is really important. If you, if you know the seller is wanting 75 days to close, don't go in asking for three week closing. Mm-hmm. Your offer is going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And inversely, if the seller wants out in three weeks, they're they're already got a place to go. They likely won't be too attracted to your offer asking to close two and a half months later. Exactly, yeah. So for investment properties, I'll just touch on this. The seller is trying to avoid paying capital gains tax. If that's the case, maybe try to meet that need. Find out if they want to put it into a 1031 exchange or would the owner consider maybe financing the property or holding a second note just to ease the burden of a huge cash injection which would uh, up their taxes in a given year. So there's, there's a bunch of things like that. Just gather as much information as you can. Second, Offer to cover a few of the seller's expenses in your offer. So make your offer stand out a little bit. Offer to cover some of the smaller fees, things like grantor's tax, the well, septic, and termite certificates, or maybe the seller's deed preparation fees. You could even offer to make your home inspection contingency subject only to a satisfactory inspection instead of leaving the door open for the seller getting beat up for repairs. And by the way, grantor's tax in Virginia is only $1 per thousand of the sales price, so a $400,000 home is Four hundred dollars gotcha. of grand tours tax. Make your offer stand out. Offer mm-hmm. to pay that grand tours tax, right? So you can sometimes do little fees like that, which will save you thousands as opposed to offering more money. Absolutely. Sometimes. So just again, find little ways to make your offer stand out. Offer a couple of the seller's expenses, and you could even, if you want to go big, you could even offer to cover a portion of the seller's brokerage fees they're paying their broker. Mm. That's the second tip. The third tip is to put your best foot forward. There's a lot of purchase agreements coming in now with escalation clauses in them, and we use them as well, and I encourage their use sometimes. But if you as a buyer already know you would have no regrets buying that home on the market at $10,000 over the list price, and if you know there's multiple offers on the table, make your offer stand out. 
by just making a really strong offer with that extra 10,000 upfront, it'll make a great first impression. I can tell you if a seller gets three offers on the table and, and, and three of them all have list price plus escalation clauses, it gets kind of uh, muddy. The waters get a little mm -hmm. muddy. But if one of those three offers just says, hey, here's my $10,000 above list price, guess what? It's going to stand out over the other two with uh, offering price with escalation Especially clauses. if you include your second point of the Grintors tax, things mm -hmm. like that. All of those add up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you can take all those things and kind of combine them and, you know, utilize, yep. utilize those tactics and it'll set you up for success in being the offer that stands out. Uh, and then this kind of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Make sure your agent is advocating on your behalf and clearly communicating with the counterpart in the transaction. There's nothing more frustrating than to realize afterwards that an extra phone call, text, or email clarifying a term or intent that was not conveyed clearly is best. It's best to over-communicate in a way that is friendly but with a clear business transaction intent than to be mm -hmm. non-communicative or worse. So just make sure your agent has the skills to cl clearly communicate with you and in turn is clearly communicating with the other party in the transaction. Yeah, absolutely. So to recap, learn all you can about the seller's needs, structure your offer in a way that meets those needs, offer to cover the few of the seller's minor transaction expenses to help your offer stand out, and thirdly, put your best foot forward with the initial offer. So those are three tips and tactics that may help you land that house that you want. When we come back, we're going to learn from David Johnson, licensed realtor at Carmel Realty, how, and we'll also learn how many written offers that he received this week on his latest listing. We're back with the Carl Miller Show. I'm your host, Carl Miller, along with our marketing director, Yancey Campbell, and joining us in studio now is... David Johnson. Welcome, David. Hey, thanks, Carl. You know, it's good to have you back on. You've been on the show before, but for listeners who may not have heard you before with us, give us give us a quick rundown of the life of David Johnson. Let, <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Where, where were you born? I was born in the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Very cool. So what was life like growing up in the Johnson household up and through your, through your teen years? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it I miss those days. Those were, <laughs> <laughs> those were, uh, you know, carefree, and and mm -hmm. I remember summers seemed to last forever. As a kid, we lived out in the country, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we would go on bike rides, and we'd be gone all day long. Mm -hmm. And our parents never knew where <laughs> we were; they had no clue. You can't can't do that nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but, the culture's uh, changed a little bit, right? Yeah, we, you know. We, we weren't poor or anything like that, but my dad made us you know, earn our stuff, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so we would make up games, nice fun. for stuff. You know, like I had a when I was ten, I I don't know where I got it from. I had a plastic bat. There you go. And our driveway at that time was stone. Uh huh. And at the bottom of the driveway, we had uh, I would take the stones and I'd hit them with the bat and try to hit them over the telephone wires and sure, sure. certain levels was first base, second base, you know, <laughs> yep, yep. If I got it over the top one. It was a home run. You That's know. cool. Are you the oldest in your family? For I, I am. So I, as you're talking that, it reminds me of the games I used to make up as well. So, you know, so I'm the oldest <laughs> of five right. kids and in my family. I, and, so. and, and you know what? It's helped me through the years uh, to be a lot more imaginative mm -hmm. and to sure. um, problem solve. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, uh, I owe a lot to my parents. It was it was a, I had a great childhood growing up. So so you grew up. You became a teenager. What was next? What when, when did you leave the home? And where did you go after you uh, became of age, as they say? Well, um, I, 
You know, that was back during the Carter years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, inflation was high and jobs were hard to find. And I managed to luck out and I was working in a factory. And back then, making $5.50 an wow. hour was, was big money. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they had a layoff, and I was one of the ones that got laid off. And, I, you know, in high school, I flipped hamburgers, worked in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. And I said, I am not going to do that again. I'm yeah. just not. Mm -hmm. So I uh, decided to join the military, and I went into the Navy because I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, at least I'm going to see the world. Yeah. yeah. Did you, know? you get to see the world? What was the name of your ship that you were on? It, it was the U.S. S. Forrestal, and it was an aircraft carrier. Yeah, oh, very cool. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it sounds cool, but that's the worst duty you can get. <laughs> really? Yeah, because uh, what we would say in the Navy is you're haze gray underway and you're out there yeah. nine wow. months minimum at a time. Right. And because it's such a large ship, we had 6,000 people that's on amazing. our ship. It was the first of the supercarriers where you can launch right. more in one plane. Wow. Hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of ports can't take those big ships like that. So we didn't stop a whole heck of a lot. Sure. But I did see a lot of the world that most people will never see. Did you ever get seasick? No, no. no. Those, it, they're so big, you probably can't even. It's like a, in a Cadillac. Gotcha. You know, the only time it ever rocked was we went through a hurricane oh, one wow. time. Oh, wow. That's awful. Wow. And uh, from the flight deck to the uh, top of the water is 90 feet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had waves crashing over mm -hmm. the flight deck, wow. and that was the only time it ever rocked. Wow, David, that's amazing. Yeah. So, what time did you? What, what year did you get out of the out of the Navy then? Nineteen eighty-five. Nineteen eighty-five. Very good. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. So. What ultimately brought you to Lynchburg? Um, I lived in when I got out of the Navy. I, I moved to Florida with a bunch of buddies of mm -hmm. mine, and uh, started odd jobs, did all kinds of different things, and then. Uh, ended up as an inventory manager at a furniture chain and was doing pretty well there. But uh, I, I felt like the calling to work with uh, young people. And so uh, looking for college because I had no college background. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. sure. You went straight to the Navy right yeah. after high school. Uh -huh. Right. And uh, ended up at uh, Liberty University in 91. You were married by this time, as I recall. I was married yeah. with three young children. Wow, college with three kids. Yeah, Unbelievable. and, and uh, you know, uh, I worked full-time third shift at Liberty mm -hmm. and then went to school full-time during the day. Wow. And uh, uh, my wife got pregnant with our fourth. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm, I, it, it was it was one of the hardest things I ever did. I bet. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not sure who's to be more commended here, David Johnson for doing full time <laughs> school wife. and and, uh, and you know studying full time and and working, or or his wife hand, yeah. having three young kids with. Yeah. Uh, she suffered just as much no as I did. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> mm. There's no doubt because I'm sure there wasn't a whole lot of excess funds in the Johnson household those days either. Was no, it? there wasn't. <laughs> uh, we had only one car. It was a Dodge Diplomat station wagon wagon mm -hmm. baby poop brown the only paneling on the sides yeah no? paneling oh, on the word. sides the no. only yeah. place it didn't have rust or a dent in it was the <laughs> roof i think but it ran good so you so you know about starting with zero and, and being in survival mode and you build a, you build a good career in the mental health field but then about seven years ago you had a, a bit of a transition and you decided to get a real estate license so why what attracted you to the real estate space david well to be honest with you i had no clue where i was mm. going to go next mm -hmm. and my oldest son runs a, a property management business mm -hmm. 
And he goes, Dad, you should get into real estate. Mm-hmm. You'd be really good at it. And mm-hmm. I go, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I told him I hate sales. You know, I always right. think of the, about the used car sure. salesman, you know, sure. the pushy guy. Sure. But uh, I, the more I looked at it, I said, you know what, why not? You know, mm-hmm. so uh, got my license and started off and uh, didn't start off with you right away, Carl, although right. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> but once I got to, to your uh, agency and yeah. worked with you, that's when I started to flourish. And that's a, a testament to your leadership. Yeah, we're speaking with David Johnson. With uh, He's at the Carl Miller Realty, and David's a licensed realtor and a, and a great professional. We wanted to introduce him to our listeners today. So, David, what do you enjoy most about helping your clients with their real estate needs? Um, I love to be instructional. It's just mm-hmm. something that I like. I like teaching. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are I've dealt with many first-time home buyers who have no clue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I love to get an appointment with them, sit them down, and just go through the entire process. Mm-hmm. It really does help for a number of reasons. It helps to lower that anxiety mm-hmm. about buying a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives them, I always say, knowledge is power. Yeah. And with the knowledge that they gain, um, it gives them more confidence in their decision making, and and that's part of what I really like to do and enjoy. Yeah, I no, love that. No doubt about it. What's your perspective on the market today? You know, it's a lot different than it was in 2016 when you first got licensed. So just kind of, you know, in a minute or so, what 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 do you what's your perspective? What is different, and how have you seen the market change over the last seven years? Uh, well, it's definitely a seller's market, and I know that you've uh, spoke at that about that many times. Sure. Um, what I'm seeing is is just if you're working with buyers, mm-hmm. you have to prepare them to have all their ducks in a row and ready to go. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. Right. Mm-hmm. The speed of the market is probably one of the biggest challenges that buyers have today, just the speed and then the demand. And and speaking of demand, uh, you, you've got quite a story. <laughs> tell, tell listeners a little bit about your latest listing and just, just what happened. I mean, because I mean, what you got is not unique to what's going on in our market, just right. as a very clear example of the speed of the market. Well, I, I obtained a listing that was in a very good neighborhood. The house um, needed a lot of cosmetic work and updating and hadn't been done in many years. Mm-hmm. And it needed the only good thing that was going for it, other than it was a good solid house was that the heat pump was only two years old. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so new okay. heat pump, but it needed lots of love otherwise. Okay. Right. I had <laughs> I had a, a contractor come in who flips houses, and I said, sure. what would it take to, to get this house up to snuff? And he, after his calculations and looking around, he said thirty grand. Okay. Okay, so not, so, not crazy. Not crazy, I mean, but that's a lot of money. It's time and yeah. money. Okay, okay. So, so. And, and so anyway, I always, when I put a listing on, I want it at least on the market for 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we, we see people's houses go in an hour. Right. You we know, we and, talked about this in the first half of the show, actually, today. But, yeah, go ahead. Right. Sorry. So I, I do that <laughs> for, for a main reason, first, to get all the buyers a chance to take a look at it that have interest. But second of all, I'm serving my sellers yeah, well that's right. because we want to get the best offer mm-hmm. possible that's for right. them. And uh, if you sell it in an hour, you might have cut somebody off that would have brought a better one. That's right. Yeah, great, great perspective. Right. So you put it on the market. You wait three days. Yes. What happens? It was, it was a circus. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I also priced it right, too, lower than market yeah. value. T- talk about that. Just touch on that just briefly because, you, you know, there's always this dilemma about pricing. Right. Uh, what I see, especially in this market, it's different depending on how the market is going. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a big-time seller's market. So what I do is I price it lower than market value mm-hmm. on purpose mm-hmm. because if, if you see a lot of times where – uh, people are just jacking up the prices on these homes. Right. And what happens, though, even though it's a, a very competitive buyer's market, um, they're still cost conscious. Yeah, that's true. All right? very true. And if that house sits for two weeks mm-hmm. you know, in this market, yeah. what do people start thinking? What's wrong with it? Yep. Yeah. You know, and then it might even sit longer or not get the price that they really yeah. wanted. It's it sounds so counterintuitive, but the homes that are overpriced actually end up selling below market value. And and I'm just using yeah. market value in quotes as defined by what a buyer's willing to pay initially right. when it hits the market. So anyway, so you underprice the house. And I do that on purpose. Yeah. I let the buyers bring up the that's, value. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Because the market will clearly set the price if the mm-hmm. buyers are driving that. And that's what happened in this case. Exactly. Uh, I had <laughs> record number of showings in three days. I had 66 showings. That's crazy. 66 wow. showings and in 16 hours. offers. Wow. You know, and that's just mind-boggling. But it's it's a testament to the demand that the market is in right now, you know, because yeah. we can sit here and talk about how it's a seller's market, seller market, seller's market, and all this, that, and the other. But when you give a story like that and you share that 66 showings in three days, mm-hmm. 15, mm-hmm. 16 offers. 16 offers. If you think about it, one, one, one buyer obviously got the house. Mm-hmm. But now you've got 15 disappointed buyers that are still loose in the marketplace right now. Yeah. Ready to pounce on the next one. Right, right. And they're going to be more determined to get the next mm-hmm. one. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming that that house sold probably well above list price if you had it listed under a little bit. Right. Do you want me to tell you? Sure. I mean, if you want to share with the listeners, yeah. sure. <laughs> we got we got it for $35,000 more than what we listed. Wow. So, so, yeah. And again, I mean, and that's I think that's just such a great example of how the market ultimately sets the price. I mean, mm-hmm. David, we as agents, we don't get to set the price and our sellers don't get to set the price necessarily. If they did, we'd, we'd all be very rich here. <laughs> but the market sets the price. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's just a really, really good case in point of A, the demand that's out here in the market right now, B, some really good advice for mm-hmm. sellers when it mm-hmm. comes to pricing strategy, and then and then thirdly, just the fact that this whole shortage that we're in, we're probably in this for the long haul. We're probably in this for a number of years yet, just because, you know, again, those 15 disappointed buyers, they're still players in the market, and they're going to be right, jumping on right. the next one. And, and you hit it. I don't think the market is going to change for sellers anytime real soon. I think mm-hmm. it's going to stay this way for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, great perspective. And David, thanks so much for just coming in and sharing. Is there anything mm-hmm. else you want to share with listeners? If they want to get a hold of you, what's what's the best way to do so? Uh, the best way is on my cell phone. Okay, uh, sure. 434-660-8624. Before you go, we, we always like to get to know our, our guests a little bit more. I, and I happen to know you, you love the outdoors and have loved the outdoors for a long time. What, what's one of your favorite outdoor activities, either that you're doing now or that you've done in the past? Well, what I've done in the past is I've done a lot of rock climbing. Mm. And uh, I one of my favorite trips that I will never forget is uh, me and a close friend of mine from high school. We trained for a year for this, and we went to Colorado, and we 
climbed Hans Peak, Rabbit Ears Very Pass. Cool. That's awesome. And uh, Hans Peak, it took us three days to go up and down. So you were one of those guys camping on the side of the rock? Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh, David, yeah. that's great. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, David Johnson, thanks for joining us today. If you want to get a hold of David, you can uh, ch- check out his cell phone number. Or go to carlmillerrealty.com. His information is on our website as well. David, thanks again. Thank you, Carl. And now, the Bizarre Real Estate Fact of the Week. All right, Bizarre Real Estate Fact of the Week. Lace up your dancing shoes and get ready to travel back in time to the 1990s. A huge home in the Houston area that's built for fun is back on the market. According to Realtor.com, this sweet 90s time capsule in Sugarland, Texas is available for $4.75 million. Carl, I've seen the inside of photos. I mean, it mm-hmm. is like bright orange, bright pink swirly curly cues on the walls it's straight out of the 90s it's Fair, crazy 90s huh well very 4.75 million 4. 75 all yours and maybe a little redecorating that's budget right. how many <laughs> did you say how many square feet i might have missed it i don't know how okay many well <laughs> you i'm can sure that's, that's gonna be a large house at that price point right. i would think think but anyway well if you have real estate questions you want answered on the air send your questions to any of our local social media platforms you can also reach the wlni comment line which is 434 333-2009. Call that line, leave a voicemail, and we will get to your question. Thanks again for tuning in. We are your local, caring, competent, and trusted advisors for all things real estate. Thanks to our sponsor this month, Will Looper at Movement Mortgage. Whether purchasing or refinancing, Will Looper and his team at Looper Team Mortgage at Movement are here to serve you. Learn more at looperteammortgage.com. Have a great weekend and join us next Saturday for another morning of the Carl Miller Show and... If you're looking to sell your house this winter or spring, contact us today, carmillerealty.com. Have a great weekend.